welcome to the Bro Nova Podcast, the podcast that models healthy communication for men, empowering them to start the journey of self-work. Now here's your host, Thomas Pierce. Okay, we are recording. David, good evening. Welcome to the Bro Nova Podcast. Hey, glad to be here. Yeah, for sure. So, so we were just chatting about perceived political identities, and you were saying you want to start with the heavy stuff. Yeah, you you were talking about you know your I guess political identity, and then how it's kind of become muddled because the extremes are so loud at this point. Yeah, I, I guess I guess like okay, so like I I think you, you used the right word identity, and I think a lot of people are trying to to define their own identity based on how it aligns with, let's say a certain crowd or a certain like um, group of people. Right. And I think what I used to identify with, I think I find more and more doesn't totally fit my own identity. I mean, I've grown up a lot. I've changed a lot. And I think some of those groups have changed a lot as well. Um, where I think, yeah, the extremism has definitely gotten in the, uh, have been the loudest voices, right? And for obvious reasons. Um, but the but then but then they tend to take over the narrative, um, which is something there. But I think but I think it's still important to really have that that sense of identity, including your political identity. Like, what are the things you stand for um, in terms of um, the way countries are run or the way your communities run? I think that's very important. Yeah, for sure. And I think too, I've. You know, the the concept I think I've been kind of keying in on here is um, the silent majority in the sense of mm. the middle-ish who aren't really engaged in the Twitter feuds. And I think, like, I go out in the world and I talk to people all the time about their ideas. And I have I have never really had it become sour or anyone mm. freak out. I think most people really, you know, if, if, if the tone is right, can engage in a good faith conversation. Like <laughs> there was an incident, uh, last year, my girlfriend and I was referenced back to, we were at a wedding of a friend, uh, and you know, I had a few, a few stiff drinks in me, we could say, and I was talking with the priest of the, uh, the officiant of the wedding. I'm not sure which not denomination they were. <laughs> but the priest, you know, I was asking about his beliefs and, and it came to the point where he said that he believes that, you know, when Christ comes, I, I suppose, you know, all of the dead are going to rise, you know, literally be exhumed from the grave. And, you know, I, I, even at that point, you know, I clearly communicated that I didn't really think that was sound, but, <laughs> um, even at that point, it was a respectful dialogue. And if that's possible, then I think that there's no reason we can't kind of talk about our problems. <laughs> yeah, you know, like, um, I definitely grew up in a Christian tradition. Um, mm. I would, I would never, I wouldn't be, I mean, first of all, the Philippines are very Catholic, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I've seen the value of it, the, the value of belief and all of that. But I think anything that narrows our perspective is dangerous. Whether that's some spiritual belief or some, you know, science, even it could be a scientific belief, you know, like if you think about people who practice, um, you know, some of the things that the Nazis practiced back in the day, it was a, it was like for the sake of science, we're willing to do this, and and, and so I think anything that kind of narrows our perspective and narrows the human experience to our experience or our own personal goals or our country's own goals, I think in a, in a sense that. That has the op- that has the potential to trample other people, right? So I think, yeah. But that, but I, I I get you because <laughs> you know I I went to Kabul for I think I was there for a week in two thousand two thousand four, right? It was like the oh, first wow. elections, all of that, and you know, over and over, similar to you, if you're a reasonable person and you approach everyone and you approach decent people with a shared decency, there's no reason to to end up wanting to kill each other. Right, but if you approach people, obviously there is there are people in the world who you know the sociopaths and evil people, and but it, but 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 I would say by far the majority of people actually will find it share very the same 
like share the same goals as us. You know, to have a to have a secure life, to have good relationships, to have some level of happiness, and if we can start with that, right? That sounds so. That sounds so you know like Zen like. I mean, but I'm just thinking yeah. like that's been my experience. Yeah. Totally, totally. It. I often even question the per, like the. I, one, I don't have Twitter, so I don't know what goes on on Twitter. But I feel like you know I listen to a lot of kind of podcasts and social commentary, and there's always. Even in like the sports podcast, I follow reference to like Twitter happenings, but I feel like we should really minimize that. You know, how, like how many productive, insightful conversations are happening online at all? You know, through text, like probably relatively few. <laughs> We're very good at. Um, okay, first, I, I mean, I, I have Twitter. I really like it. Um, uh, <laughs> nice. I guess I'm one of the. F- I'm, I, I'm, but I'm not. But I like it as a way to blast messages out, I don't really scroll and read through it that much, to be honest. Um, and, and so my, my, my dad used to tell us, like, media is awesome, but basically, um, basically you're allowing people to speak into your head. Now, mm-hmm. you, you have a few choices on how to manage it, right? One is don't listen to everyone, right? Like, hear them out. Don't listen to You don't have to believe everyone, right? It's like you don't watch a horror film and believe you know, like Freddy Krueger's in your cabinet or something like that, right? right? Like, right. like, so that's one, right? And I think that's a super basic thing. But then I think the more, the more, like, like the even healthier thing is, if you don't think that idea is beneficial at all, why put it there in the first place? Like, so for example, um, as you said, right, when you give all, when you follow all these people indiscriminately, right, you don't realize it. You've allowed all of them to influence you, and and usually when there's too many voices. Um, at best, you'll be confused. At worst, you'll be misguided. Either way, it's probably not good for most people to have too many voices speaking into them. You think you're informed, but really you're confused, right? Um, and so not having Twitter is probably healthier, <laughs> you know, for most people where most people are going to be that critical or that disciplined, you know. Um, so I, I don't know how many times I've been speaking to people and they'll, they'll reference TikTok as some sort of authority, right? Oh, I saw this person on TikTok and it's an authority on work. <laughs> like, who the heck, who the heck is that guy, right? Like, well, well, he has a lot of followers. I'm like, I don't care. I don't know who he is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah it's hilarious, but it's like, it's common now. Yeah. It's common. So we kind of jumped into it, but by way of introduction, uh, David, what would you like to share about yourself with, with the audience? Oh yeah. So other than like my my critical personality, I, I quickly. So I'm in. I'm in. I guess the way I kind of like um, organize my life is into these three boxes. The first one is really myself, uh-huh. um, and then my work, and then my family. So so my family box is really my wife, my kid, my parents, and my brothers, and I, and then of course my extended family, the, my closest friends. Um, so personally, I'm obsessed with the idea of value, being able to create value, being able to capture value. So even the way I think about family is about what sort of value am I providing my wife, my kid, you know, my parents, my brothers, um, their, their families by extension, and my friends. And so I'm always thinking about that. And then at work, it's the same. How do I create and capture value for our stakeholders, right? Our customers, our investors, our partners, our management teams, our employees. Um, it's been obviously been tough during the last uh, the pandemic and then this with Ukraine, the Philippine best is getting battered. Mm-hmm. But I think... Even with all of these changes, it's always possible to find ways to create and capture value. And that's part of the fun of work. So work for me is all the activities I do to create and capture value. So it's divided into my corporate work, which is Bridge. So Bridge is an investment company in the Philippines. We have a payroll company here. We have a payroll loans company providing probably the lowest salary loan product in the Philippines. Um, and then I have, uh, I'm with a group called DNB Aura, which is a... Um, a venture fund, venture capital fund in Singapore that invests in the region. And then uh, recently during the pandemic, we put up an impact fund called Archangel to help um, the Filipino businesses that were affected by the pandemic um, that's then started to grow. So that's been amazing. Um, so that's work. And then the third one is really um, me as, a, as myself, right? Which I break down into my body, my soul and spirit, basically my like my personal goals, right? So from a spiritual side, I think the goal is really to grow in serenity where I'm not always in a rush. I'm not always like chasing the next thing, which 
I would say I spent most of my life doing. Now that I'm older, it's like you realize it's a rat race. And, you know, like, um, so for example, I really enjoy just being with my son, you know, doing nothing, just running yeah. around the park, you know, stuff like that. And, and you realize that, hey, wait a minute, you know, that's a shortcut uh, to happiness in, in, a, in a very simple way, right? And then, and then of course, um, and then physical health. And then for, for the soul area, I'm very, like, um, I'm very interested in this idea of uh, eudaimonia. Yeah, I don't know if you read um, Aristotle's, um, um, oh, I should read, uh, uh, it's the, uh, oh, I can't remember the title. It's a very famous book. It's in my back right now. I can't remember it. Um, it, it will come back to me. But basically the idea of a flourishing soul. You know, like the idea that, um, and the flourishing soul doesn't necessarily mean a wealthy, you know, bank account right, or right. or a, or a title or a position, but a, but a soul that um, is flourishing. So, for example, for an artist, right, who's producing is able to capture the vision in their mind and 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 represent that in, let's say, a sculpture. That's probably more their path to a flourishing soul, right? Um, and living out. So, so, so it's a really interesting topic because it talks about living out your virtues with excellence. You know, and, and, and then having these standards that you're pursuing. Um, but it's usually standards that you yourself kind of like reflected and said, these are what I'm going to, versus someone else putting it on you and saying, you need to be this. You know, uh, in an Asian culture, it's very strong, right? You need to be this um, versus like, you need to just like, these are the virtues that are important to me. And I'm going to see how that those can flourish in my life. Yeah. So I guess that's a quick way of how I kind of like look at my own life. I don't know if that's clear enough. Yeah. Wonderful. Very intentional. It's interesting that you distinguish between your personal self. It kind of sounds like carving out and protecting your autonomy as a person without sacrificing work. And then your responsibilities and you know the joys of family along the theme of kind of men and bro nouveau mindset mm. you know men often have traditionally their whole identities have been their career but it sounds like you're kind of intentionally creating some safeguards there so that you you know david as an individual the flourishing soul maybe some of that comes from work but it's not only work yeah, you know, like, obviously it was a journey. Uh, when I was younger, all I wanted to do was build big businesses, make money, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you and you you think that will make you happy. I think you think that will give you the freedom you desire. You think, um, and you think, it, basically you think money will give you everything you want, right? And I think money is an important um, part of life and a healthy relationship with money is definitely important. I think you have one extreme that just like loves it, you know, and, and they love it. They love it the way, like if you were an architect, you love the cement more than you love the thing you can build with it, you know? And I think, so it's important to know that life has a cost. Amazing things need resources. And so money or as, or as, you know, like as a thing of value, right? I think to exchange value, a unit of value and all these things is important. But then you have people who, who demonize it and who don't manage it well. And what they end up with is they don't end up having the resources um, to build amazing things for themselves and for others, right? So, so I think it, what's important is that um, that your identity is not based on how much how many bags of cement you have in the bank or some warehouse, but by the structures you've built for others, you know. And I think um, like I think that's why that's why I guess there's that, that separation. But I think what ties it all together is at the root of it is that whatever role you play, um, how do I seek to provide as much value to the stakeholders in that space, right? Um, and, and so we're, none of us are ever going to be perfect, right? Like I, I, I can be very, very grouchy and quick-tempered and all of that. Um, definitely have, I, have, I have a, a hundred flaws, right? Or, or thousands of flaws. But I think that the anchoring thing is that um, when, you, when you, at deep down you want to provide value in that role, then you end up sort of like... Um, taking a step back and saying, am I still doing that? You know, or am I losing myself to, to some other part of it? Absolutely. And another thing you said that was interesting was creating and then also containing that value. And to me, contain 
means not letting it slip away or not, you know, putting in all the hard work to develop something and then having it dissipate. So does, mm. does, does that come from experience or why is that word in the mix? Yeah. So, yeah. So I think they use the word they use is capturing it, right? Capturing but containing it. is actually a good, a good, a good word as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think part of it is definitely experience. You know, you know, like sometimes like a man will work so hard to provide for their family because they care about their family and then come out from that whole experience without a relationship with their family, you know? And so it's like you end up alienating yourself from the very people you so wanted to secure, mm-hmm. right? You so like, in other words, you so wanted to protect them. You so wanted them to be in your life. You so wanted to do a good job for them. But because of a limited view of what that means, you end up losing them in the process, right? And and so the challenge with that is not only do you lose them because you didn't invest in the relationship, you actually feel extra bad that you lost them because you feel like you deserve the relationship because you think you did your part, right? Right, right, right. Yeah. Yep. yeah. And so, so it's almost like um, the I, I wrote an article a long time ago when I was single, uh, well, you know, I wasn't married, so I don't, I don't, I don't remember if I was single then. I'm sure I was dating someone, but 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 it's like I was I was I was looking at a lot of my married guy friends, right, who were awesome before they were married, and then all of a sudden they're just like not <laughs> awesome anymore. And I'm like, the only thing that changed in your life is you got married, right? right? And some of these people they were actually going out for years, so it's not like you changed the, even who they were with. You just changed the setup, right? And then so I came up. I I, I don't really know how well it was received. Um, but but the ti- but the title was um, a leader not a prince, you know a partner not a princess a purpose not a lifestyle, and and basically what I was talking about was a lot of our lives now are simply trying to achieve a lifestyle sweet spot, and so we we define the happiness or the value of our life based on how close we are to that lifestyle sweet spot, or we define the the the. The, the quality of a relationship, let's say you and your girlfriend or you and your wife, right? Like based on how close you are to that sweet spot. And when you're far away from that sweet spot, you feel like something's not right, you know? Or, or um, and so you know how happiness is basically how close our expectation is to reality. You know, the farther away that is, the, the less happy we are, right? And so what I was finding is a lot of men had gotten stuck in this kind of like, their role now in life was chief lifestyle provider, where they wake up every day and all they think about <laughs> is how do I achieve this lifestyle for my family, right? Because they think that that's the score. And then, um, and then, and I, when I say this, men, I don't necessarily, I, I need to qualify and say, because women are also providing now, like women are working just as much as men, right? So I think, but the, the challenge with both of them is that they're providing towards a lifestyle sweet spot versus having a, an identity for the union that has a purpose beyond the lifestyle. Because the lifestyle is a moving target. It's a bus you'll never catch. And when you throw in social media and all of these other voices around it, your kid should go to this school, your kid should have this pram, you should have this baby bag, you should have this breast pump, you should have this school. You're like, yeah. you, just, you, you can throw it, you should have this phone, you should have this car, you should have this vacation every year. Title. And before you know it, yeah. And before you know it, that's you wake up every day trying to never catch, trying to catch a bus you're never going to catch. And then so you, so you feel smaller because you're never catching it. And then you you look at the highlights of other men, for example, and you see them killing it, or you think they're killing it, because you see, you know, you see them on vacation, you see their highlights. No one puts the part where they're like, um, you know, like where they're down or getting drunk. I mean, maybe some people do these days, right? Yeah. But but all of that to say is that you're you're now comparing yourself unfairly to the highlights of someone, um, and so what happens is you now feel like a complete failure because not only are you never catching the bus because of this moving target. You're also not hitting it compared to other people. And both spouses tend to compare their, you know, or, or girlfriends say, hey, look at them or look at them or look at them. Or, you know, and it could be a very like innocently like showing the Instagram feed of someone else and saying like, oh, look at them. They're always on vacation. How come we never take a vacation? Like stuff like that. Right. No one's trying to erode anything. But over time, that really erodes it because that lifestyle sweet spot, the target is a moving target versus, um, for example, when you look at when I was thinking about it, like. There is so many stories in history of, of families in very bad situations staying very strong or men staying strong because at the end of the day, they weren't there to hit the lifestyle sweet spot. There was a greater purpose mm. that, they, that they kind of like were investing in that kind of motivated them, right? So, um, so 
and I would, so what I found was a lot of these guys, they're awesome guys. And then all of a sudden, now they're married, you think, okay, it's going to be even better. Instead, they're getting to alcohol, getting to heavy pornography use, you know, taking drugs. All of a sudden, the things that you think um, should have showed up, I guess, before you got married, all of a sudden it starts showing up after. And it's because when you're, when you're getting shrunk, right? When you're getting shrunk, you need, your, your soul now needs ways to cope. Right, you you can't you not you now need ways to and the easiest way to cope is really through some of these substances, right, or some of these like um, quick right. fixes, idle pleasures, and then it hurts it even it hurts it even more, right? So, I don't know if that's an I don't know what the answer is. I just kind of like observed it, and I think um, every time I see that happening to me, um, it's it's definitely that and raising a weak son are probably my two biggest fears in life. You know, just waking up every day towards some sort of like pointless existence. And raising the type of son that lives a pointless existence, um, I think, would be my two greatest fears. Well, thank you for sharing that. In, in the scenario of your son, how are you defining weak in that context? Yeah, so it's a so it's a good you know like so, and like when I was younger, right? Weak is like if someone punched you and you cried, you were weak, you right, know, like right. or or if you <laughs> cried in a movie, you were weak, you know, um, or if you were nice to people you're and i think um we definitely have to change that <laughs> you're nice so, to people <laughs> yeah, yeah like yeah. the bullies right you kind of like try to be yeah. yeah it was weird right yeah it's weird it's like <laughs> if you're not willing to bully you're weak right like oh you're too nice you know those would be like the things right so i think um i think so i think i think more than trying to i guess like more than trying to not raise a weak son i think it's more like how do i raise a strong son um and this one I'm fleshing out, right? Um, and I and I think part of being a strong son is being able to. And, and the reason I think about it this way is I'm actually writing an article now. Um, every year I write kind of like a, a finale for the year, and this year is about setting setting the captives free, right? Including yourself, right? Setting yourself free from the things that are holding you back and being the type of person that sets others free. And so when I say a strong person, it's someone that can break through themselves from things holding them back. Some of those things might be vice type things, you know, some of those things might be conventions, you know, like, you know, like community expects you to act a certain way, even though you know, it's not right or not right for you, you know, like being strong enough to break through that. Mm -hmm. Um, And then second is being the type of person who's strong enough to break other people through it. Right. So that's how I would define that. So I'm kind of breaking it down to what are the physical limitations? And, 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 And then the second one is like, what are the metaphysical uh, limitations. So some of those are like natural limitations, right? Like, so if you think about what technology allows physical, like we, we would have had to be in the same room to do this. Now we don't. So we've removed the physical time and space limitation, right? So being able to master technology is, is a big part of expanding and setting yourself free, right? But on the, on the, on the human nature side, being able to master your emotions, right? Where you're not closed. That's not mastering your emotion that's bottling it right but at the same time being able to express yourself being able to set goals and stick with them being able to do necessary hard things you know so so those are things that you know like i'm fleshing out where um essentially your character how does your character uh help you set yourself and others free right so i think when i say strong it's like strong enough to set yourself free be independent you know be someone who's interdependent and someone who's able to um, create things and, and and do those things. So yeah, so not too clear yet. I have an outline, but yeah, so more than kind of like trying to raise a non-weak person, it's really more someone who's strong enough to break through themselves and help others break through. I love it. Yeah, I would agree with those tenets. I mean, I had a moment of clarity, I would say in my adolescence or teenage years about nonconformity and the importance of nonconformity. Mm-hmm in my own identity as well. And I think that is my, this, this project, this podcast is my effort to kind of Mm. help people break free. Right. Particularly men to see that there are many ways of existing. There are many ways of communicating, presenting oneself and relating to the world. And instead of a very prescriptive idea of what being a man is, how about, you know, someone can define their values and work every day to live those values out and then build that foundation of I'm proud of who I am and I don't really care what anyone else thinks because I've thought this through. Yep. You know, and it's, 
it involves the physical, right? Like I think the physical um, self is really important as far as, you know, the kind of like bro science, like do hard shit, you know, like that stuff. (laughs) (laughs) I do, I do value that in some ways, but I think that's another, that's another potential crutch, you know, because there are those guys who only have the gym identity Mm. and they bottle their emotions and that, you know, that's not particularly strong to me either, you know, and maybe they, you know, had some traumatic experiences or something that put them on that path to being the big macho guy and they never dealt with it. That's not strength to me either, you know, so it's kind of this, I, I think I like what where you're at with, it's, it's both conscious and kind of spiritual. It's also intellectual and overall it's very intentional, right? It's deliberate. And to me, that's the biggest thing, dude. That is the biggest for me, like makes me fucking stoked to meet someone is when they're intentional about their life. And cause we can sit here all day and philosophize right about the best way to do it and mm. this and that, but like just caring enough to try is huge. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think I, you know, I think the word intentionality is very important. Um, and a lot of people think that just because you're intentional, you have to be perfect. I, I feel like I never hit the mark because I'm so intentional, right? You set high standards and, but then you realize even if you never hit the mark, you're progressing uh, versus someone who's like, I never miss the mark because there is no mark, you know, I, I think, so they're never, <laughs> so they're never progressing, right? Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I'm very common here. I, I think the U.S., tends to be more goal centric. I guess the ones at least I know, Yeah. Uh, you know, people here are very laid back. Right. And so mm-hmm. I think it's really, I think we can learn a lot from people who are more uh, goal centric, you know, because, but I think the other part is a lot of goal setting now is very shallow. And that's why we turn to life hacks instead of allowing um, character development, you know? And so, so a lot of people look healthy, but they're not healthy. They have big muscles. They're not healthy, <laughs> right? They're gonna die at forty, right? You know, it's yeah. like, or or um, a lot of people, uh, a lot of women look sexy, but you know, it's like that thing's probably gonna, you know, like cause health problems down the road, you know. And, and I've totally. seen it, right? So, so I think the 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 issues are like um, that depth, right? that intentionality. But you 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 add to that the that like the patience, the character building. Uh, required, you know, but uh, yeah, I think first being intentional is very difficult in a very busy world. You know, it's like, you kind of like wake up, open your phone and, you know, and you've lost, you've lost the plot, you know, in the first one minute. Right. So, yeah. and then you realize, Oh, I'm late for work. And then you rush to work and then you get to work. You're, all you're thinking about is getting to work on time. And then you get there late. And all you're thinking about is not getting fired. Then you, <laughs> you're, you're behind the bus the whole, you know, the whole day. Yeah. yeah. The way, the way I think about it with not getting lost in my days is uh, to not be minimize being reactive mm. and to not be the proverbial pinball getting pinballed around by my life and instead yep. doing controlling, you know, what I can control. And that's why I love sales in that mm. sense, because I know what I got to do. I know my things that I need to achieve. And basically it's as long as I get there, happy days, you know, and that's, and then you can, you can do other stuff with the rest of your time. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And in my, you know, my personal development is that I, I have a goal to be uh, fully self-employed at 30, Mm. 27, you know? So to me, that's, that's my next progression. And like where I'm, I I feel, I feel um, I'm on the right track as far as my personal development and, who I am as a person and what I can provide, you know, and I love, really love how your definition is, um, help others break through the self doubt. Um, I think for me, it's helping others shine their light more brightly. Mm. That's, that's what makes me inspired, you know, it gets me, gets me fired up. Uh, but yeah. And that's the, the, my, the next step of my evolution, I think is kind of getting over that hump of, you know, giving up the paycheck, giving up the security mm. and going for it. Right. And kind of, um, in that evolution. But one thing you mentioned, um, is in this whole dynamic of like the father, son, the parent, the child, and also the Philippine context. I'm curious to hear about 
what does that look like? The, the modern Filipino family is there, are there these influences of, you know, the, I hope it's better than mine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, you know, like I think, um, I think one of the things I'm learning is that I hope you are enjoying this week's episode of the Bro Nouveau podcast as much as I enjoyed recording it and bringing it to you. To get involved in the conversation, you can send me an email, contact at bronouveau.com or find me on Instagram at bronouveaupod. Please share this episode out with someone who you think will enjoy it. And you can leave a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. For full-length video episodes, head over to YouTube search Bro Nouveau Podcast. Enjoy. And this is going to sound cheesy, right? Is that I think, I think number one is I think everyone, I, I try to think that everyone's trying their best. To the, and when I say their best to the best of their ability, some people really can't do any better mm. because of a lack of perspective or a lack of, uh, uh, opportunity. Some people are are lazy, but they're lazy because they were not never taught to be lazy, or they were so frustrated by their past failures. So, so you know, I, I kind of try to think about it where, um, like, without me falling into those excuses myself, right? Um, because that's possible. Also, when I when I think about others, I just think like, you know what? Um, everyone's trying their best to get by, you know. Um, and so, and everyone is going to have. Um, a mixed bag of good and bad and horrible and amazing moments, you know, and, um, you know, like whether you look at the founding fathers, right. Like I was telling us reading through their lives or you read Bible characters or you read historical characters in any, um, uh, it's like you ask yourself, how did these people end up defining the world so much? They'd be canceled right away today. You know, if you think about all of these guys, right. You think about like David Samson, you know. Do you think about let's say Hamilton, you know? You, you, you'd be, so you think about um, you know, all sorts of characters, right? Like Saladin, or like you'd be like, you're, these guys are going to get canceled instantly, right? So I think I think being able to realize that everyone is like a mixed bag has really helped, and that a we should be grateful for whatever we have, uh, and so so for example, right? Like um, I find myself in a situation where we kind of have to live in three countries, you know. Um, I'm in a country that maybe isn't the most, um, uh, I think there's been a lot of growth. It's super exciting to build a business here, uh, but we don't have the safety nets that let's say uh, my son gets in the UK or that you might get in the US, right? Like healthcare, the best healthcare is private, it's expensive. And so, but having said that, there are so many things I love about it and I want to focus on those things. So when I think about, I think if I think about, let's say not necessarily a modern family, but let's just say like a, like a higher awareness type family. I think it's, I think it's a family that is not necessarily uh, comparing their, it's not after that lifestyle sweet spot, but it's very purposeful. And their purpose is not based on some sort of like checklist. If I check this, I have a good family, but kind of what you were touching on where it's like, you were so intentional about figuring out what you stand for, right? With you as a union or as a family or, or the type of life you want your kids to experience. You're, you're so intentional about it um, that even if it looks different from what other people are doing, you have the you have the capability to stick with it and to make it happen and to flourish in it. So, so I think that would be like my definition um, because I think people have to realize that at the end of the day, we're all too human. And so even as ideal as we want things to be, it never really turns out that way. And that's fine. That's part. I, I like um, um, the you know the uh, individuation, the concept by Carl Jung, um, where he was saying that if you can integrate your trauma or or your your good and bad parts of your life, your shadow self, right, the best parts about it, you become an individuated person, a differentiated person who has unique value to present the world. Versus currently, what we have is sort of like, oh, you have ADHD get it out of your life or, Oh, you have this issue. You were, you know, you were you're traumatized right. or you're yeah, get it out versus like the classical was like integrated into who you are, right. Use it to power. Let's say, you know, you see trauma victims. There's a lot of them. 
those that say, my trauma is going to be what powers me to help others with trauma, they become of great value to the world. Those that never get out of that trauma, the trauma becomes a complex. It always holds them back. It always, you know, so, so I think even when it comes to families, it'll be those people who can be able to integrate their different experiences and present something unique to the world. In, in, in big and small ways. It could be a small way, right? It's still just as valuable. Dude, the small ways matter. I mean, I don't know about you, but I can remember specific experiences as a young person mm-hmm. with like, um, see my families. So my, uh, my parents were actually pretty, they were pretty, uh, censors, not the word, but moderated the kind of stuff I would watch as a young kid. Mm. So like, for example, it was like, Sounds like mine. <laughs> yeah, I had like one hour of TV a day. That was the rule. Um, and I'd be like, mom, I'm starting my hour, you know, and she'd be like, All yeah, right. yeah, you know, and I think that's a great rule. Um, yeah, for but, sure. Like, especially now. Yeah. But there was a time when I wasn't allowed to watch PG 13 movies. Right. Mm. And looking back now as an adult at this moment. So I was at a friend's house, the Stomaskis, great family, Mount Laurel, New Jersey, fucking great people. And, uh, I was there and they, they were like a big Lord of the Rings family. They loved Lord of the Rings. Mm. And so it was one of the Lord of the Rings and they were like, Oh guys, let's watch this. We're like sick. And then I told them, you know, it's like, Hey, like I'm not allowed to watch PG 13 movies. Mm. And, and their response fortified who I am as a person. Right. Because I was the type of kid to be honest in that moment. And they were like, wow, thank you for telling us. We respect that so much that you're acting with integrity, yada, 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 reinforce that behavior very positively. And, and I know there are people out there who have kids who would either belittle that kid and be like, you've pussy, you know, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I think that's cool. And those little moments have a huge impact, you know, every yep. day, I, the way I operate too is like, I should probably bring this more to the fore of my conscious, but I really do believe that we have the opportunity, the classic story of like, person walks the golden gate bridge. If anyone says hi to them, they don't jump, you know, and then no one says, hi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, that kind of thing of like, we can have that really positive impact on the immediate environment. Um, and I, I think that's where I feel the most inspired. It sounds like you have a, a more systems thinking approach or maybe a visionary kind of big picture approach. Um, maybe a good litmus test would be, you know, when it comes to economics, are you more interested in kind of macroeconomic trends or more in, in kind of, the commerce of one city or, or even like neighborhood, for example. Yeah, I think, yeah, no, I think I'm definitely a more big picture kind of person. So I would say I'm still interested in the village and community, but the individual side, like I wouldn't be a good financial planner for someone, you know, I'd be like, yeah. what, what is this? You know, <laughs> I'd be like, 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 like figure, but I think, but I think I definitely see the importance of, of the I, it's not the small, but the what seemingly mundane. So I'll give you an example, right? Like NGOs. Um, I remember I, I came across this stat, like there was almost like something like over a thousand NGOs per person. Like for every 1,000 people in the Philippines, there's like an NGO or something like that. Oh my God. Right? <laughs> so if you think about it, it's like, like, shouldn't we be done with poverty and all right. these issues? You know, if it was just based on, if everyone was doing their job, Right. Um, and, and, and of course, no, no shade on NGOs. I think one of the things that's happened is um, we've outsourced the good works we should be doing to organizations. Like, um, for example, in the Philippines, we have a lot of us have household help. Mm-hmm. And a lot of us don't pay our household help anywhere close to enough, right? right. I'm going to offend a lot of people by saying this, right? They'll be like, oh, at least they have jobs, all that. But, you know, but I'm saying like, um, and, 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 and a good one is that you would never take that job for that pay for that treatment. Right. And so, so like we tried to pay our household help, I don't know, maybe like five, six times more than the, the market, you know? Um, but, but all of that to say it's because it's a reflection, not simply of what I think is their market value, um, but of my value to them as someone who's part of my life and who provides so much value to me and my family and my kid, right. All of that. So, so, I mean, why would I be willing to spend more on my dog than, my household, you know, so oh, yeah. it doesn't make sense Another to me. Live human being, like yeah. <laughs> so, so, so I don't think it's that. But then, but you think about it, right? Um, at the rate we're going, um, our staff and our and our help 
will be able to buy their own homes or already have bought their own homes, will be able to live and, and, and progress in their life. And then you'll have people who like, they'll really cheapen their staff, they'll really cheapen their, their household and then donate to, an, or to a charity. Right. Right. It's like, but when you That's think about example. it, yeah, that charity ends up taking what, eight, 12%, sometimes 30% or more of your donation to keep running. Right. And then you think about it, that's a tax on your good works. When you could have put something together in place um, with, a, with very little, with a little creativity and actually very little work. I mean, a lot of these people are brilliant. You could figure that out and, and put them in a mechanism that allows them to actually achieve the goals of that charity. So, so I think that's why I think this, the, the seemingly small things are, they're not small because when everyone, my dad used to use this example where, in the Philippines, you see a lot of street sweepers and people picking up stuff in the streets. And so the country has to pay for people to do that because people simply won't throw the trash in the trash. You could use that money on other things, right? Like education and all the. So there's a lot of things that, um, that are that, that the big things you can now address, you know, let's say like uh, uh, affordable power and stuff like that, if the individuals actually did their part in the areas that they can, right? So... Um, I think that's a good example of why those seemingly small things are not small because they're, they're actually very important for individuals to, to be able to fulfill on their own. Yeah. I love it. And good on you for, for doing that because yeah, an observation I have here is that there seem to be many jobs that are uh, repetitive work that aren't necessarily required. So, for example, like there are a lot of guards, right, at <laughs> um, malls, you know, and they do yeah. the wand, but everyone beeps in the wand because <laughs> everybody has metal in their yeah. bag. So it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it may, and I understand the concept of like give people jobs, right? It's better for people to have jobs than not have jobs. But your example of like the the trash is like, okay, maybe maybe instead of everyone like throwing away their trash or not putting the trash in the trash bin. Um, Instead of that, maybe we could actually have everyone put it in one bin and then pay someone to sort it and then recycle that. You know, there, there are ways to change the, the workflows. Um, but yeah, that, you know, as, as, a, as an American who spent, you know, six months here, the, I guess what I'm trying to decipher in my time here is what is, what about this, these observations I'm having are uniquely Filipino and what are the ones that are more reflective of developing world or developing countries as, as a whole, you know, and where are those distinctions? Because I think that's kind of interesting. Um, cause I know that there, you know, a lot of like post-war economic institutions centered in the U S in the UK have kind of put out, pushed out these philosophies, like economic philosophies mm. about this is how it should be, you know? So I'm kind of, uh, just curious about that. And, and, you know, I'm sure you growing up here and also, you know, being a well-traveled guy have, have some perspectives on that. Yeah. You know, I think, I think there's two parts. I think, I think regardless of the economic system, I think every individual should take it upon themselves to improve themselves to the best of their ability and improve the, the situation of their loved ones. Right. I think, so regardless of the economic situation, like I think that's our personal responsibility. So I'm definitely against any kind of like belief system that says you don't have a choice, you can't do it. You know, mm -hmm. you're, you're, even if there's sort of an unjust treatment towards you by taking ownership over your life, it actually helps your mental health versus you're always going to be a victim to something that's happened to you. Right. So I think all of that to say, it doesn't mean to say that it's not harder for you or that it's not harder for, for, for people. For example, when I went back into business, I thought I was going to do NGO work. Um, I had to take over a business that was deep in debt, right? So I could have said, oh, it's unfair. I didn't get the capital that other people did. But I said, you know what? It's my responsibility. I'm going to figure it out. So my energy was better. But So I think that's the first part, right? But from a system standpoint, I do think that um, inequality is a ticking time bomb. And, 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 and now that's not so easy to define, right? Because a lot of the inequality, you know, some, some wealthier people will say, well, the poorest life is much better now. They have cell phones. Right. But there's a side of inequality where it's like, you're so far from me. Right. Like I can't, yeah. my kid will never have the opportunities you have. Um, and so, so that's definitely a, 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 a major issue that people have to figure out. Right. And I think that's where 
a purely capitalist worldview will never address that because the because um while there is a very kind of like like natural feel to it because it's very evolutionary very darwinian in a sense mm-hmm. um it may not be it may end up that we eat ourselves you know where because we don't you know we we don't create the type of um solutions right that that allows other people to thrive right so so i think that's one i think i think from a filipino standpoint at least from my from what i can do i think being able to improve the the skill set the value that a filipino can bring to the market or to mm-hmm. others mm-hmm. is kind of like what i'm trying so so for example i think i think a lot of employers don't realize that um it's not simply their job from a capitalistic point of view it's it's your it's simply your job to give them a wage if they don't want it they can go work elsewhere right but i think great leaders also think about how do i make sure that the role you play is infused with as much dignity as possible the wage is part of it but your growth you know and so feeling a responsibility for people that work for you not simply oh i gave my wage i'm not responsible but for me i, I carry kind of like a personal burden where if someone works for me for 10 years where are they after the 10 years can they say oh he paid me he didn't mistreat me right but i have nowhere else to go now you know and i and i don't think that's very empowering um but i think part of the ability to say because you worked for me for 10 years people want you right people are people are trying to pay you you know like for example people like to hire our our people who used to work for us or people who used to work as our let's say nannies because they know that somehow you were upskilled in the process and you were vetted right um so i think that's a really good um thing so maybe most of these companies are using manpower agencies and all of that so maybe those agencies have that now obviously there's some economics to it right but but i guess first starting with the intentionality of being the type of boss or leader that's i i need to infuse this role with as much dignity beyond just the wage and and people are very creative when they want to be you know that's why when people say oh i have no ideas it's like it's just not that priority to you i've seen people get really creative about how to make different types of money creative about being corrupt right creative about you know all sorts of like <laughs> people are creative when they want to be right it's just not a priority for most people and not a priority or they haven't been incentivized correctly hmm. to get creative you know like a, from a from an incentive standpoint right like value incentive you know like um like like the way i kind of think of it if 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 all of matter is kind of like energy you know like all all at the root of all kind of human interactions is value right some sort of incentive some sort of like i want this and like and so there's like this um and i don't necessarily mean just economic value um and so the, i guess this is where my i guess my my christian upbringing comes in uh i'm probably a bad role model <laughs> just to be honest but but it's like but i think from a <laughs> Um, I, w- I was in Amsterdam and I was looking, I was at the Rijksmuseum. I was looking at the, uh, a Rembrandt painting and I was really moved by the painting. And, and I was saying like, and then I, I couldn't sleep that night because I was, I, I, I came across something, right? My, my life was all about maximizing value and my, my view of value is purely economic, right? Or mostly economic. And all of a sudden I, I'm faced with something I cannot deny has value, but I can't price, I couldn't put an economic price to the thing, right? Is it worth 100 million or is it worth 50 million? Like I said, and technically someone will say, well, the price is what someone's willing to pay for it. But what was the price of my reaction to it, right? Where I'm so moved by it, right? What's the price of the thousands of people? So, so very hard to price. So I came up with these five like kind of like criteria for value. The first one was when I was looking at things of value, at least in my world at the time, was materials used. Things that had like gold or diamonds, you know, a watch that had all of these precious metals, they were more valuable. The second one was craftsmanship. Something was handcrafted, you know, like, you know, like mastercrafted. These things were more valuable. The third one was function. Like a MacBook Pro was more valuable than a MacBook. You know, had more RAM, had more, you know, had more power, processing power and stuff like that. The fourth one was rarity. You know, the more limited edition, single edition, the more valuable. And the last one was uh, maker. Um, um, and so, so when, when, when you think about this, this one um, had the brand. Okay, the last one was lifespan and then, la- and then like maker than lifespan, right? So I started applying it to things that I wanted or things in my life, let's say like a bottle of wine. Who made it? What was the vintage? You know, like you know, this is how shallow I was. Or the car I had or the car I wanted, right? Um, for example, a Ferrari, I think, uses a Poltrona Frau leather for the seats, you know, nice. Poltrona Frau. Like, so, so very nice craftsmanship. Very, it really beats whatever, you know. And then as I started applying it to the different things in my life, I realized that the most valuable thing in my universe were, were people. 
So when you think about craftsmanship, everything, uh, uh, materials used, everything else I was chasing was inert. Wood, metal, plastic, you know, cloth, um, glass, not, not, it, it wasn't life. And I could see the value in a bottle of wine, but I couldn't see the value of my driver, you know? And it was like, there, there's something, there's something that's wrong with my, I'm not saying it's wrong for other, but at least for me personally, right? Where I would rather save up and invest in, in something that will sit in my cellar than this life or, or 1000 lives that's going to you know, help. Right. Yeah. And then the second was craftsmanship. Like, even if you took like the biggest bum you knew, the brain alone, there's no computer that can do what our, you know, what our, our nervous system can do. So you think about the craftsmanship of the nervous system, digestive system, respiratory system, you know, and my personal favorite, my reproductive system, right? Like when you, when you kind of like mix all of those <laughs> things, right? It's like way more craftsmanship than the most expensive car. And, and I like well-designed things. I, I love well-designed things. But I said, the, the human is so well-designed. And I'm only talking about the physical parts. Like, how are the thoughts? You know, how, how, how do those electrical signals in the brain create emotions or thoughts or imagination? I mean, it's amazing, right? You, and you, that leads to the functional side. You know that people are more than their economic function because a lot of the things that bring us the most happiness are not economically beneficial. Like my son, my son's complete economic drain, you know, but he brings me so much joy, <laughs> you know? And then well, you look at now, rarity, Aaron. Yeah, well, it's a cost center, but in the future, he'll he'll bring more value. How you define it? Potentially, the family legacy. Hopefully, things, yeah. And I know. think the joy itself is made up for the cost. You know, the joy of being oh, his father sure. is made up. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and it's like he. I, we were talking on the phone over FaceTime, right? And it was just, it, it, it's like he goes, he, and he goes, like, I wish I could hug you, Dad. Like that made my day. You know, I'm done. Like I can, like, I had a good day. You know, <laughs> yeah. and then so then you look at rarity. Everyone's single edition. You know, and and it's easy to kind of lose the the individuality of a person in a purely economic view of the world because you're just you're just a means of production. You're not someone that could be the the father of this person or the or the father of the idea or the idea um, generator of this life saving thing, right? But when you when you expand that, then you can have more. And then of course. Maker, if you're religious, you believe God made man. If you're not religious, then you believe man made man, which I think is pretty awesome in itself. The fact that we're able to do that is, is pretty. And when I say make, not just kind of make a kid, but help cultivate and develop a, a quality of life, you know, that, that can be of good to the world, right? And then finally, lifespan. If you're religious, you believe man as a soul. If you're not religious, like, like I, I believe that you live on to the lives of people you've touched, right? When you're able to take your metaphysical beliefs and create the types of institutions that allow you to scale that, then I guess like through your family and through the organizations you've built that allows you kind of like what you're doing with your podcast, right? You're able to spread yourself, right? In a way that before you only did that by making babies, right? Now you're able to spread ideas without having to do that. So that flipped my idea of value where you want to make as much financial value to be able to impact the thing of real value, which is other people. Um, and so, so I think that's the, the, that's the part where my, my kind of like my brain twist, my, 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 my approach changed because it's like, I still love business. I still love making, building organizations and all that. But doing it for the money and doing it for the toys and the trappings that I thought were great, all of a sudden became, I mean, they're still nice, right? It's still nice to have them, but they're no longer the primary motive. They're not even the motivation. It's like, if I can afford it, if it's nice, I'll enjoy it. It's a happy but byproduct. It's, yeah, it's not, I don't wake up to have a car, you know? I, I, that doesn't excite me the way it used to, yeah. Beautiful, dude. You're so reflective and thought out. I think it's so interesting and admirable about how you create the list of value. The way my brain works, I would go find a list of defining value, apply it, and kind of refine it. But you mm. created one from scratch. And I think that kind of speaks to the reason you're in the field you are of uplifting or leaders and organizations you know, getting them avenues to capital and helping, you know, mature them into a organization to then create more value, right? You have the the vision, like, uh, like if you play rugby, I play rugby or play soccer, mm -hmm. you know, field vision, right? Kind of seeing how mm -hmm. things are going to unfold, putting people, putting the ball where people are going to be rather than where they are right now. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's great, man. I think, I think that's an admirable quality for sure. I think we start off building with what we have. And I think that's just part of the, um, like, 
Like I definitely owe everything I have to someone else for sure. You know, that's easy to admit. Um, but I also think that part of the fun of life is, you know, um, you know, like, I mean, a lot of people take it the wrong way, like being an Ubermensch, you know, like, yeah. like being someone like you don't necessarily need to use that idea in terms of lording it over other people. Mm-hmm. I think part of it is being able to actually come up with a new set of values that are good for people, you know, and, and, because a lot of the values that are actually thought, at least from my society, aren't good for people. You know, uh, they're constraining. Um, they they lead to um, bigotry. You know, so so for example, I believe that religion that helps people love others is very good, but religion that 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 helps people hate others is very bad. I mean, it's it's not so basic, but it's like yeah, yeah. it's it's true, right? You know, it's like a good a, litmus test. Yeah. So I think sometimes <laughs> you need someone who's stronger than the than the the, the conventions to say, hey, that's wrong. You know, and then, and then I'm going to define a new set of values that's actually um, better. You know, at least to that to that person, right? Yeah. So, so I think we start out with with what we're given. We refine it, like what you mentioned. Um, but part of the fun is being able to create things for ourselves that may not be. And I, I use the word create loosely because again, we're, we're we're basically combining things more than creating things from nothing, right? Um, but yeah, I think I think when people realize that, not only do they have more fun, it's very interesting to see what people come up with. You know, like wow, I can't believe you come up you came up with that. That's really interesting, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I love it, man. I think we're uh, coming up here on time, but I did want to ask you, you're obviously a, a well read individual. So what are the top three most influential books that you've read in your life? You know, I remember the book I was saying earlier. It's the uh, uh, Nicomachean Ethics uh, by Aristotle. Definitely recommend that. Um, nice. I think, I think more than a book. I think the first thing that I think from a from a mental model. I think mm-hmm. first principles is super important. Yep. You know, especially today where it's confusing, where you're able to look for really strong basis like fundamental basis for, for making decisions. It allows you to be original. It allows you to be, um, it allows you to be aligned with reality without being constrained by society's conventions, right? Because you're able to um, go back to the fundamental thing. So I don't really know if there's what those best books are um, mm-hmm. like for that, but I think practicing that, like really thinking about life in that way is really, really important. Um yeah, I read so many books. I read a lot of biographies. Oh, nice. um, yeah, so I, I really love the like. I loved Hamilton. Uh, that that book was amazing. Um, Peter the Great. I mean, because you see, what you see is these people are very flawed, but it doesn't stop them necessarily from making a mark. Um, you know, Shoe Dog. I think is a very good business a book for people who want to start a business someday. It's a story nice. of Nike. Yeah, that's very a very. Cool. I don't know if you ever read that. Yeah, I would highly yeah. recommend that. Um, I think from like a personal development, I think seven habits of a highly effective person as always, I read it every year. Um, so I think it's very straightforward, but the principles are like universal from recent books. I thought atomic habits has benefited me a lot. I thought that was very, um, beneficial as well. Um, hmm. have you read any, um, Dan Ariely? No, what 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 did he write? He's in the Daniel Kahneman School of Behavioral oh. Economics. Yeah, yeah, he studied in Kahneman, and he has a great book. He has a number of books. The one I read that I really liked was called Predictably Irrational. Oh, just, I think I read it. I think I read it. There, that's the one with like bubble gum, bubble gum on the cover, or something like that, like a bubble, um, like a coin gum case. I think. I don't remember the cover, but it, it's just yeah. a series of experiments he ran debunking the myth that consumers act in a rational way. <laughs> yeah. And it was just great. Like a bit of a yeah, mind, mind twister. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, oh, it it's, sounds good. Like thinking fast and slow by Kahneman was good. Mm-hmm. Right. Noise by Kahneman was really good. I thought that was interesting. Um, you know, um, how noise basically um, hurts decision-making. And I think that's why a lot of Twitter is noise, mm-hmm. right? A lot of, a lot of media is noise. You know, uh, so oh, that yeah. that's interesting. Yeah, that's great. Okay, so maybe even a better question then, because because you do read a lot. 
a lot of people have said to me, I like reading, but I don't do it enough or, mm. you know, so, so how would you help someone along the way who wants to read more? You know, I think, I think it's really important. So I, I really like first principles thinking and I also like outcome thinking. Mm. So um, more than being lost in the, like the output or let's say the goal is not to read. The goal is to become wise and to develop understanding. Mm-hmm. And and there's many ways to do that, right? And I think one way I would think about it is I would be like, um, let's say I want to be healthier. I'll start with that, okay? Depending on, I want to be healthier because I want to be healthier. I want to understand what does it mean to actually be healthy? So so I remember this person, I won't mention who because it'll be so obvious who she is. Um, but um, But like, she did everything, right? Like everything from Taibo to Zumba to gym to yoga to Pilates. She did everything. Uh-huh. And up to today, she's not the healthiest person, but she did everything. And so that would be an example of how many people approach reading. You're reading, you're going through every exercise, but because you're not really judging your activities by how healthy, you have no foundation understanding of what is health then you're going through the motions of what it means to be healthy and you're not really becoming healthy. So a lot of people are going through the motions of reading without really becoming wise. And so I would, I, the way I would look at it is that um, what do I need to understand? So let's just say I'm in sales. What are the fundamental principles of sales? How can I understand that um, as best as possible? And then your reading list gets defined with that. With, with the, again, we're back to intentionality, right? You're very intentional towards what really makes me healthy or what really makes me wise or what really helps me um, develop better relationships, right? So, so you know, like, funny, it's a funny example. You know those dating books, like The Game and all of that? Yeah. Like, one reason why they're such bestsellers for men is because it literally helps them, like, go through steps. Right. It, it, the, the intentionality is baked in, right, for worse, right? Or maybe for better, it depends on the person, right? But I think all of that to say it's, like, things that have intentionality baked in, then you'll approach it with that type of intention versus, oh, it's on a New York Times bestseller list. I should read it. Oh, everyone says I should read it. I should read it. You know, it may not be the book for you. It may not be the book for you for the season. So so I guess that would be the advice. Like, what are the most important things you want, out, outcomes you want out of your life? Um, look for the things that give you understanding in those areas. If it's health, what is real? So for me, I, I, I used to go through everything, right? And try just be, play a lot of sports, right? And I realized healthy for me at this stage in my life is high energy, um, being pain-free, like disease-free, pain-free, and functional excellence where I can get through the day and not have a back pain. And so I don't need to run marathons anymore. You know, like I used to like that. Then I'd be like tired or something like that, right? So to me, it's like, that's what healthy is for me. And so I need to understand the things that govern energy, you know, pain and disease, and recovery, things like that. And then, of course, like be more flexible because the older I get, I'm always on a computer, right? Like work on those versus try to bench press, you know, you know, yeah, yeah. 200% of my body weight and stuff like that when you're younger. Right? <laughs> and so I think the, the reading list flows should flow from that, right? So, for example, um, there's so many great books. At any given time, there's probably a million manuscripts floating around, right? And so it's easy to get confused where my reading lists are usually determined by what am I trying to understand for that season in my life? I love it, dude. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Get, get clear on what matters and the, the goal. You got to build backwards and, and find those resources. I like it. Yeah. You know, cause I think it's kind of the idea that if we go out into the world, like seeking help or seeking resources or references, but just very generally and vaguely with like a poor question is going to get a poor answer. Right. Mm. So get clear on that question and then you can refine the sources and qualify the sources to fit, you know, my specific need. I like that. And that'll also solve the motivation problem. Right. Cause like what I was alluding to with the question, I think is that a lot of people have a motivation problem with reading, mm. but your method kind of bakes that in because <laughs> the person seeking the motivation defines the wisdom and the information they want. And if they define it well, then there won't be a problem with motivation to kind of dig into the resources. Yeah. Let's say you like the girl, right? And, and you wanted to understand more about her. You're going to find ways, you know, it's not, <laughs> it, it's not it, like, it's not <laughs> like, sure. you know, you're going to find ways. And so 
I think that's why, you know, like in the Bible, when they talk about wisdom, they always refer to her as a woman. And, and that's something desirable, like seek her, seek her. It's always like, like search for her, right? Like look for her. And, like, and, I, and I think that, um, and I think that's why knowing your own outcome is, is a better motivation than just looking at someone else's list. Um, so, so for example, some people really want to travel the world, you know, and, and want to build careers that allow them to do that. That's, that's very possible. It's more possible today than ever, but it will not come from the conventional wisdom that they probably teach you in school. Right. So, so things like that, right. Like they'll, they'll be able to chart that. So, so I think you, you find that, um, so I think another, let's say, let's say you don't know what you want, right. I think what I would start out is what are your responsibilities? So, so when I first started, like back in the business world, I didn't start out with my dream job. I started with having to fix the family business, which I, which I hated. I hated every day of it. Right. But the, <laughs> but I realized it, but I love my family. Right, you know, right. and so it's like um, there are things that say when you have a kid, you don't like changing diapers or when your kid throws up, you hate all of that, but you love your kid. So you're so you're willing to do things and understand things that that may be about things you don't love because there's something at the, on the higher order that you do care about um, intensely. Right. So I think I think so. A lot of my reading this initially was like like accounting and finance. Right. I was clearing out debt. So I had to go back to all my accounting books and I had to go back to all of like, how do you read a financial statement? I wasn't doing it because I wanted, I was interested in finance. I was like, I need to find every way, you know, to, to, to fix this issue. Right. Like it, it was finance and I, I wasn't that good at it. So I think, I think when you're not sure about what you want yet, you focus on what am I responsible for? Like, who am I responsible for? Um, and then how can I, and what do I need to understand to thrive in those responsibilities? Beautiful, man. Well, David, thank you so much for your time and for an absolutely delightful conversation. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Yeah. Where can we read your end of the year notes? Are these internal to your teams or do you have a blog or? Yeah. Um, the, the blog is D, letter D, Bonifacio.com. I'm updating it now. I also launched a small like poetry newsletter. So I, I like to write poetry. Um, so that's, so I'm starting to populate that. Like I've been asked to publish books and I, and I just don't have the discipline, at least not yet, or the time to just write a full book. Um, and I, I really like blogs and like, like I subscribe to a bunch of writers and all of that because it's like, um, especially the ones that continues to give me value. Um, so, 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 so I'm a big fan of that in that format. You know, it's more on demand. Um, it's more, uh, I don't have to wait for um, a full-blown book at the end of a cycle, right? So yeah, so I think those that's the easiest way. Or Twitter. I'm on Twitter. (laughs) Nice. Awesome, David. Well, thank you so much for your time. And uh, it was an absolute pleasure. Thanks, Oz. All right. See you soon.